All right, Tavosai. Good morning, a good Chaydesh. A welcome to everyone. Very exciting, very exciting. Let's say, first of all, I want to begin by thanking our sponsors. This is really incredibly exciting. We have Bar Hashem, four Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Nisan, which is, uh, which is quite amazing to thank Steve and Terry Zinn for dedicating all the Shurim and Drushos this month in gratitude to Hashem and welcoming their first grandchild, Adin Tzvi Hachbaum, son of Anna and Yoni Hachbaum in New York City. We thank uh, Benjamin Wall from Eretz Yisrael for dedicating all of the Shi'urim and Joshos this month. This is truly beautiful. Listen to this dedication. From all that do not have the opportunity to bask in the radiance of the base Medrash, but are nevertheless blessed by the self-sacrifice of Meishi Abramson and Jeremy Lassen, who enable them to silently nod their head in awe as they listen to the beautiful words of Gemara. May Hashem, in His wisdom, reward those volunteers in measure for the Torah they allow them to obtain. Quite, quite beautiful. Quite beautiful. We thank our Talmud Torah sponsors, Shimi and Batsheva Messing, for dedicating all of the Shurim and Drushos this month in honor, in honor of the Bas Mitzvah of their daughter Laila. To thank Paul and Kathy Pollock, second month in a row, Baruch Hashem, for dedicating the, all the Shurim and Drushos this month in memory of Paul's father, Shmuel ben Zechariah, his mother Leah Bas Avram, great-grandmother Cyril Bas Ravdov, all of whom have yard sites in the month of Nisan. We also thank our Dafyomi sponsors, Meishin Chavi Ibramson for dedicating all of Arve Psochim, as a zechus for Rafur Shleimah for Daniel Mayer Benchana. We thank Menachem and Susie Schoenfeld for dedicating today's Daf in honor of the 22nd anniversary of their engagement. And also the, the Schoenfelds dedicate the Dafyomi in honor of the return of Dr. Jack Gladstein to Dafyomi. Return in person, not return to Dafyomi. Dr. Gladstein has been with us, Baruch Hashem, the entire time. Jack, welcome back. Wonderful to have you back. Baruch Hashem. All right, so we'll see with that. Let us begin. I'm going to have to stop doing Sidka Satsadik in the morning for the sponsorships. <laughs> Baruch Hashem. It's beautiful. It, it really happens to be. It's, um, it's quite, quite overwhelming. Baruch Hashem. All right, so with that, let us begin. Today's daf is Kofiud Gimel 113. Hopefully those of you who were there here at Shir yesterday did your homework, because I gave you a little bit of homework on the, on the WhatsApp chat to give you homework. We're starting on the top of Kofiud Gimel, top of 113. <laughs> Got to read your messages, right? So the top of 113, it's good. You'll, you'll go over it. I just realized there's no way we're going to get through the daf if we don't uh, give a little bit of homework. So we'll say with that, let us begin. Second line from the top, Kof Yod Gimel Ahmed Aleph. Amr Rav, Rav Ravasi. So we'll say more beautiful Gimara. Rav said to Ravasi, Lo Do not live in a city. Do not live in a city where they don't have horses and don't have dogs. Literally, it means don't live in a city where the horse doesn't bray and the dog doesn't bark. So we'll say, what's the pshat? So the Rashbam points out, there's a very simple idea that do- the dogs and horses alert the inhabitants of the city to the presence of robbers, the presence of thieves. So if you live in a place where there's no horses, there's no, there's no dogs, ultimately, again, the robbers could get in and out. Now, the Rashbam actually is mechalik between dogs and horses. He says the chap of the dogs is that the dogs will bark when there's a thief who comes. The horses are there so that after you realize that there's been a thief there, you could pursue the thieves. Masha'inkein, if there are no horses in the city, the thieves could get in and out quickly. This is incredible. Do not live in a city where the head of the city is a doctor. Now, this is very interesting. What's, what, what's, what's the pshat with this? So if we'll say here, it's always interesting to see on the different tap and where the Rashbam is. So here on the, the Rashbam is on the bottom. 
there is nothing significant. I just want to point out. I'm sure there's a metaphorical reason, but none that I could discover. This is just a printing issue, the typeset. So we'll say, if you look at the Rashmamis on the bottom, So we'll say, this is the same idea as to why the Gemara said yesterday that you shouldn't have Tamidi Chachamim run a city also. There are certain occupations and certain professions which are all consuming. So you don't want a doctor being the head of the city because the doctor is busy with his patients and a doctor often has to drop everything for emergencies. So therefore, don't live in a city where the head of the city is a doctor because things will get neglected. So the Gemara goes, Vaiter, Velo, Tansiv, Tarti. Do not marry two women. Self-explanatory. Right? <laughs> and if you go ahead and you marry two women, this is very interesting. I will say, interestingly enough, the reason, in all seriousness, the reason the Gemara says don't marry two women is there's a concern that they're going to conspire against you, says the Rashbam. The Rabbi say, now understand, all kidding aside, every single time the Torah tells us a story of where a man married more than one wife, it never goes well, right? Whether it's Avram and Hagar and Sarah, whether it's Yaakov and Rachel and Leah, again, these marriages just don't go well. Understandably so, the dynamic lends itself to a certain amount of what's called familial toxicity. So the Gemara says, don't marry two women. This is very interesting, and if you're already married two, marry a third. Nasiv Tlas. So I'll say, so the Rashbam says, why should you marry a third? So this is interesting. The Rashbam says, because out of three, we will assume that one will be on your side. This, this way, again, if two conspire against you, the third will be there to tell you what's going on. So profound. Rav said to Rav Kahana, better to literally turn over an Avela carcass of an animal, but don't turn over your words. So I will say, this is a profound idea. What, the, what, the, what Rav is saying to Rav Kahano, is be a person who stands behind your word. In other words, better to have an occupation of turning over animal carcasses than to be the kind of person who turns over their word. Someone who turns over their word says one thing, but doesn't carry through. Or says one thing, but then fundamentally undermines. Be a person when you say something that your word stands. Pashit nevelta b'shuka v'shakol agra. Better to skin a carcass in the marketplace and make an honest day's living. Don't say, Essentially, the Gemara says, we are something so profound. There is nothing wrong with an honest living. And an honest living, even if it's not the most glorious living, never say, Anything is beneath you. Kahana Ana means, see, you were thinking it means a Kohen, but it means someone like, I'm like Rav Kahana, right? I'm, I'm a big Talmud Chacham. I'm so important. This is beneath you. And I'll say, it's such an incredible Yisod. That it's, true, it's really two ideas. Number one, this goes back to Rabbi Akiva's idea in yesterday's daf, daf of Asei Shabbos Chachol V'atistarech Librios. They need to be independent and they need to be self-sufficient. And sometimes the only way to be self-sufficient is to take on things that are not so glorious. But there's nothing inglorious about earning an honest wage. There's nothing inglorious. Even if the work is not so chashib, if you earn an honest living, it's not, it's not beneath you. Say, this is also an incredible yisod in general in life, certainly with taking on matters of community as well. You know, and being able to help out the Tzibar, being able to help out Tequila, being able to help out the community, person should never feel that anything is beneath them. Whether it's an honest wage or whether it's Tzarech Tzibar, everything is important. The Yomar goes like to Salakdil Igra, if you go up to the roof, Sheruseich Bahadach, take your meal with you. So I'll say this is also very interesting. Essentially, this is a good Jewish saying, right? 
wherever you go, take food. Wherever you go, take food. We'll say what this means is the, 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 the image of you of going to your roof is a very short trip. So what the Gemara is trying to convey is even if you're going on a very short trip, take your food with you. So we'll say this is part of the same motif of being a self-sufficient individual. That don't get yourself into a situation where you have to rely on others. So even if you're taking a short trip from your home to the roof, take your food with you. The Gemara goes weiter. Kari b'masa b'zuzah, Literally, if gourds are very inexpensive in your city, go ahead and make sure you always have a couple underneath, underneath the corner of your garment. Same idea, that ultimately, again, make sure you have food with you so that you are independent and self-sufficient. Amar le rav l'chia Bose, this is incredible. Rav said to his son, Lo tishte sama. Rabbi Lo tishte sama literally means don't take drugs. He told his son, don't take drugs. Rabbi said, take a look at the Rashman for just a moment. It's two, four, five lines in. Lo tishte sama literally means don't drink drugs. Al tishte samim, mipne shenikva lahemveses. So listen to this. This is incredible. Rav said to his son, don't take medicines because you will get addicted to them. Right? You, you will become dependent on them. You'll end up using all of your money. This is incredible. Rav saying to his son, Rav saying to his son, don't take drugs if you don't need to. In other words, if there's another way to heal yourself without having to rely on drugs, then don't use the drugs because they're addictive. They're addictive. If they're addictive, you'll blow through all of your money and chas shalom waste a lot more than just your money. But this is such an incredible gemara. First of all, it's an incredible gemara because it tells you that the dynamic of the human condition doesn't change all that much, which is incredible. But the other piece that's incredibly important about this is that Rav was having a conversation with his child. You know, so often we think that our children know what's right and what's wrong. They just know. The children know, don't take drugs. Let's say your children know not to take drugs if you tell them not to take drugs. And they might go ahead and roll their eyes at you, you know, when you have that conversation. But it is incredibly important thing in life for a parent to articulate to a child what is right and what is wrong. See, if you have Rav sitting down with his son and telling his son, don't take drugs. Then I will say, Al-Achas Kamo Kamo, how we must have that conversation with our children as well. So the Gemara goes weiter. The Gemara says, "Velo tashver nigra, velo teaker kacha, velo tikna bechivya." So we'll say, "Look at the Rashbam for just a moment." Velo tashver nigra, psia gas shnat esran. So we'll say with this. So the Rashbam says, "What it literally means is, don't jump over a brook or don't jump over a stream." The Rashbam says, "Really, what it means is, don't take large steps." You know, taking large steps is a sign of arrogance. So don't walk in an arrogant way. And next, this is very interesting. Don't go ahead and don't pull out teeth. Don't pull out, our, our dental union is not represented today. I don't know where they went. Right? But uh, maybe, maybe you know, text, where, where is Jacob and Dovi? Mamish. All right. Okay. They could have gotten, the, what are they called, CME credits for this? But all right, good. So the Gemara says as follows. So the Gemara says, don't go ahead and pull out a tooth. Now, say, now interestingly enough, the reason the Gemara is saying don't pull out a tooth, is because because it'll be healed in the end. Now, again, I will say, whenever it comes to matters of medicine, so remember again, Chazala reflecting whatever was known at the time. So I guess conventional wisdom was, which I guess, also, I guess the logic also was maybe 
you put yourself in greater danger by having an exposed abscess than you did by having a, a toothache. I don't know, whatever it is. So the Gemara says over here, don't go ahead and pull up a tooth. For those Sekanabarimba, so this is very interesting. Don't, don't go ahead and incite an Aramian. Don't start up with an Aramian. Okay, so we'll say along these lines, the Gemara says as follows. The Gemara says, I'm sorry, don't start up with a snake. Don't start up with an Aramian. We'll say first wide line, Kofiud Gimel Amandalif. Turn around on. Gimel in Miskanabin. I will say there are three things. Miskana literally means incite. What it means is there are three things you should not start up with. These are them. Nachri, a Gentile. Katan, a child. Venachash. I'm sorry, no, I'm sorry. Nachri Katan, Nachash Katan, Talmud Katan. Sorry about that. Right? A, a young Gentile, right? A young snake and a young Talmud. My timer, what's the reason? The Malchusayu Achore Udnaihu Koi. Literally means, it means their monarchy is behind their ears. So we'll say, what does it mean? It means sometimes when you start up with someone or something young, you think you have the advantage. And although you may have the momentary advantage, an interesting thing happens with people or things who are young, which is they get old. And when they get old, they may have power and prominence. So be careful. Be, be, be very careful who you choose to go ahead and start up with. This is an incredible Gemara. Rav said to Ivo, his son, so I just want to point out, so Rav, beforehand we said, saw that Rav had a conversation with Chia, his son, don't take drugs. Now Rav is talking to his son, Ivo, and this is incredible. And he says, I've tried teaching you Torah, but it hasn't worked out. Rav was saying to his son, Ivo, you don't, you don't, you don't seem to be taking to learning. So, so let me teach you worldly matters. Let me teach you worldly matters. And I will say, this is very interesting on a couple of levels. First of all, again, I will say, it's quite interesting to see how Rav relates to each of his children differently. Right? This is the Chanuch Lenar Pidarko idea. person could be blessed with many children, but every parent knows no, ch- no child is the same as the other. As much as sometimes a parent has a desire, a, even sometimes subconscious desire, to make their children a particular mold, mold, children very quickly defy any type of mold. And it's the job of a parent to understand the individualistic <laughs> nature of their children. So it's fascinating over here that Rav is saying, bless you, Rav is saying to Ivo, his son, it's not working. It's not working to learn, right? I'm teaching you Torah. You don't seem to be taking to it. So let me teach you worldly matters. So there are two ways you can understand this. So number one, it could, it could be that Rav is saying to Ivo, listen, you're not, you're not, you're not going to sit in the base measures. Okay, that's all right. That's all right. You're not going to be successful in this way. Let's cultivate your success in a different way. Triple say is so incredibly important because what it says is sometimes we're so desperate to have our children succeed in a particular way that we push and we push and we push. And even as they say, when it's low ole, when it's not working, when it's not, we still push harder. And the job of a parent is to realize, okay, your child is not, is not an extension of you, right? Your child is not your way to fulfill your unrealized dreams. If it's not working in a particular direction, redirect. Of course, Rav wants his sons to be incredible, but it's not going. So Rav says, okay, let's go in a different direction. Let's see your success in a different way. But we'll say that Ben Yehoyada points out and says, that's not what Rav was saying to his son. This is incredible. Rav was saying to his son, you know, when we sit and we learn Bechavrus and the Beis Medrash, you're, you're not taking to it for whatever the reason. Let me teach you Torah 
through real world, through real life examples. So you're supposed to say, people learn Torah in different ways. Some people learn Torah like we're learning from a black Gemara. Other people learn Torah by observing and ingesting the lessons of life. Rav was saying to his son, Ivo, you know, I've tried teaching you Torah in the conventional way. It's not going. It's not working. So let me teach you Torah ultimately again through showing you the importance and the wisdom of life lessons, world lessons. Again, I'm going to send it out a little, little bit later on in the chat. The Ben Yoyada extrapolates the spiritual lessons in each of these mundane statements. But well, here we go. So the Gemara says this. Say, but the Pashat Pshat, here's the Pashat Pshat. The Pashat Pshat was that Rav was saying to his son, you're not going to sit in the base medrash. So let's make sure that you become a successful businessman. Right, let me give you some life lessons that will give you success success in life. Number one, before, while they still stand on your feet, sell your merchandise. Sell fast. Sell fast. Whatever you bring back, sell it quickly. Sometimes when you sell something, you can have remorse. Let's say, let's say you sell an item, and then what happens? the item goes up in value. And you're like, oh, had I just held it a little bit longer, I could have even made more money. You could have remorse with everything else in life except wine. Why? Because wine turns, right? Wine sours. So it's in your best interest to go ahead and sell the wine quickly. Sell the wine quickly. Make sure you go ahead. Literally means open your pocket and then go ahead, or I should say close your pocket and then open your sack, which means that whenever you're selling something, get the money up front. <laughs> get the money up front, right? So have the money in your pocket, and then you could open up the sack. The sack represents what you have your goods in. Kava me'ara velo kura me'igra. I will say this is incredible. Better to get a kav, which is a small measurement of earth that is in front of you, more than a kura, which is a larger measurement from the roof on top of you. In other words, better to make less money, but not have to travel than to make more money by traveling. Which I will say again, intuitively, intuitively, there is a certain wear and tear, right? And a certain sunk cost that happens both with oneself and one's family when one has to travel. So better to go ahead and make less money but not have to travel than to go ahead and make more money and travel. Tamra bichi luzak sugna rahit. When you have dates, so if you look at the Rashbam, the Rashbam says over here, Tamra bechiluzak So it means literally again, if you have dates in your utensil, run to the brewer. Run to the brewer. In other words, remember again, in Babylon especially, they drink date beer. They drink date beer. So what it's saying is, once you have dates, once you have dates, go run to the brewer and go make it into beer. Vaad kama. So like, what's the minimum amount of dates you have to have to make it worth your while a trip to the brewer? Ad three Amra Papa says, Papa said, if I would not have brewed beer, I would not have become rich. Interesting. So Papa was rich, not from Torah, right? He was rich ultimately again because he had a side business of 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 brewing beer. say wasn't If I did not brew beer, I wouldn't be rich. My Sudna. So was it interestingly enough? Why is a brewer, a beer brewer, called a sodna? Amravchista sod noe 
Ugmilos Chasodim. Because being a brew beer, being a beer brewer, so we So we'll say it's a nice little secret. Rashi says over here, Rashi says, it's a tova he shari mis ashimena. So means it's a good secret. In other words, people don't realize you can make a, lot, a good parnasa from being a date brewer and ultimately again, gmilas chasadim. So we'll say there are different ways of understanding this idea. So the, the Marshall says, Pashup Shat, Pashup Shat is, that if you have money, you could do chesed. I will say, what is the point of having money? Why does a Jew have wealth? So at the end of the day, yes, of course, I can use my wealth for my own comfort as well. But lamaisa, wealth is from the ribon l'sha'olam. And if it's given to you, it's given to you, emir tashamay all of us, it's given to you to do chesed, to do good for other people. So again, therefore, becoming wealthy represents an incredible opportunity, both for one's physical comfort, which is great, but also to be able to do incredible chesed. Amra papa, kol agov gviya boy. So look at look at the Rashbam for just a moment. Rashbam says over here, Kol Agav Gviyabai, Kol Davashetar Lichtov Shtaralov Kigon Milva the Amana Gavyab Kilomar Adayin Hitzarh Ligbos Yeshwatorah. Shah Papa says literally anything for which you have a document still requires collection. So also what Rav Papa was saying is just because you have a document do not count the debt as collected, right? Nothing is collected until it's collected. Which I will say is an incredible you sowed by, I guess, by business, right? Don't, don't count, don't, don't think of your accounts receivable ultimately again as money in the bank, which is an incredible you sowed. And, and, and also in life, in life, only go ahead and count your accomplishments once they're actually accomplished. So the Gemara goes right there. Kol Ashrei, Safek Asi, Safek Lo Asi. Veda Asi, Maos Raos. And Rabos is very interesting. And anything that you extend on credit, just know any credit, it's a Safek if you're ever going to collect it. And if you do collect it, it's going to be bad coins. Well, I say, why bad coins? The Rashbam points out over here, it could mean that it's going to be paid in an inferior currency, but the Rashbam means, it says, it says, it means that people, when they pay, when they pay, when they extend, when they pay off credit or when they buy something on credit, sometimes they only pay off a little bit at a time. So from a business perspective, from a collections perspective, getting in a little bit of money at a time is detrimental to one's business operation. Okay, we'll say interesting, j- j- just to point out something incredible. So we'll say, if you go, whether you go with the Ben Yehoyada's idea that in each of these lessons, there is something, some deep spiritual metaphysical lesson as well, or just to see, I will say that in general in life, the way to be successful in life, whether it's in your learning or it's in your business, is to do things b'chachma, to do things with wisdom, that a person has to have a seder, a person has to have an order in life. And if you don't have order, everything falls apart. So you see over here, the wisdom of Chazal, even in business practices, even in business practices, there has to be a seder, there has to be an order. Good. The Gemara goes weiter. The Gemara says, Gimel Dvarim Amra Yerushalayim. So we'll say, this is very interesting. So Rabbi Yochanan said, name, three things in the name of people Yerushalayim. When you go out to war, don't go out first. Rather, go out last. Why? In order ultimately, again, that when you have to retreat, 
you're the first one who's able to escape. Now, I'll say, when you look, when you look at this statement, what a strange statement to say, right? This, this is good morale, right? Yeah. Who wants to be last, right? Wants, so, so first of all, say you can't even run an army like this, right? If, if the conventional wisdom is that God, you should always go out to war last. Let's say if you have your sheet, so we'll say perhaps the shot is like this. Perhaps the message is not for physical war, but it's for spiritual war. That at the, at the end of the day, this goes back to what we saw yes, last week. Remember again, I will say the Gemara said, if you're walking down the road and you see two women on two sides of the road facing each other, what are they doing? Kishuf. So what did the Gemara say? What should you do? Dircha achrina. Find a different road. Sometimes the best way to deal with spiritual challenges is avoidance. If I know that something is a trigger, if I know that something is an isoyon, don't place yourself b'makom nisayon. Don't place yourself b'makom milchama. See, I will say in general, avoidance is not the way to deal with your challenges. But when it comes to areas of spirituality in which I've been tested and I've failed, when it comes to averus, which I know are my Achilles heel, the goal is not to place yourself in direct, in, right on the front lines of the conflict. The idea sometimes in life is avoidance. So find a different road. So perhaps the Gemara is saying over here is as follows. That they're talking about over here. They're talking about over here about physical war, but actual warfare, because this is not a good aid for war. But Lamaisa, what they're saying is when it comes to the war, the ultimate war, the war most of us wage each and every day, which is the war against the Yitzhahara, it's only a last resort to go out to war. You don't do battle, right? Instead, the best way to approach things is avoidance. Don't tempt the Yitzhahara. Don't wake the sleeping giant. Do your best to sidestep any conflict with the Yitzhahara. Do, do your best to avoid the triggers. Going out in direct conflict, in full frontal combat, that's only a last resort. So go last. Go last. And the reason you go last is because this way, if you have to retreat, it's much easier to retreat than when you engage in full Full, full contact, full battle. An incredible use of the Bose. So the Gemara goes back to Vav Mishtadul I'm sorry. It's interesting. So we see it's not just Rabbi Akiva who said this, which is interesting. Although yesterday was attributed to Rabbi Akiva, today we see that this was something that was said by the people of Yishan. Now maybe they got it from Rabbi Akiva as well. So make your Shabbos into a weekday and do not rely on people. So remember, we saw that piece yesterday. That was a din. means be independent. Be independent. Better to go ahead and make your Shabbos into a weekday than have to rely on other people. But I'll say all of us know this because anytime we have to rely on people, it's not a comfortable feeling. The best thing in life that a person could have is self-reliance, is independence, is not have to be beholden to the other. So the Gemara goes, And go ahead and make sure to get into business with someone who is having a good run. I will say this is also, we saw this yesterday. If somebody is having good Muslim business, get into a partnership with them. Three things, three things that Rabbi Yishuban Levi said in the name of the great men of Yushalayim. Number one, Altarbe Beganos. Don't spend a lot of time walking in gardens. So we'll say, so the Rashbam says what this means is, Make sure that when you go ahead and you, you engage in private things, do so in private areas. Because of the episode that occurred. So what does this mean? Vigan represents a public place. 
Don't do private things in public places. The Gemara is making a reference up here to the episode of David and Bathsheba. Remembering again, Bathsheba was bathing on her rooftop. David Amalek was walking on his rooftop and he saw her. And because he saw her, he desired her. And that led to a whole series of terrible events. So ultimately, again, the Gemara is saying, better, better to keep your, 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 your private activities in private places. Bitcha Bagra, this is interesting. Once your daughter becomes a Bogaris, so meaning of, remember it was a marriageable age. In the eyes of Chazal, once a girl became a Bulgaris, she was ready to get married. Bulgaris is 12 and a half years old. So once the girl reaches Bagros, get her married off. Get her married off as quickly as possible to the point of Shikhrer Avducha V'Seinla. Even if you can't find the Shidduch, so emancipate your Evid Kenani. Once you emancipate your Evid Kenani, he becomes a full-fledged Jew and marry your daughter off to him. Be careful with your wife and your first son-in-law. My time, what's the reason? Rav Chista said, because sometimes an unhealthy relationship could develop between the two. Rav because sometimes, again, a, a wife could end up spending all of the money, all of the husband's money on her son-in-law. So the Gemara says, and both are concerned. You have to understand something also. Remember, Bismana Gemara, it was very common also for a newly married couple to live with the wife's parents for an extended period of time. So the Gemara just says unhealthy relationships could potentially develop. I'm I'll say this is beautiful. There are three people who inherit the world to come. Well, so isn't that beautiful, this Gimaras? Eluhain, Hadar Be'eret Yisrael. One who lives in Eretz Yisrael. Incredible, incredible. Of course, again, we say every single day, We ask Hashem to bring us back to Eretz Yisrael standing upright. Right? The goal is not just to be buried in Eretz Yisrael, but the goal is to go into Eretz Yisrael standing upright. You live in Eretz Yisrael, You inherit the world to come. And one who goes ahead and raises his children to learn Torah. So we'll say this is also an incredible use. So if you raise your children, I'll say, you know, so many times, so many times it's interesting. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's always interesting to kind of hear like, parents' aspirations for their children. Like, what do I want for my child? So the Gemara says, what I want for my child is Now, means that my child is learning, right? It doesn't necessarily mean that my child is always occupied with learning. Of course, as we've seen before, again, I was having a profession. I just want to point out, it's clear that Papa was a brewer, right? And became very successful in his brewery also. So it's clear that having a profession is not the steerer to becoming a great Talmud Chacham. But Hamagadol Ban of Latama Torah means I raise children who are Machshiv Torah. I raise children who understand that Torah is important and Torah is a central part of their lives. And lastly, Vahamavdil Alayayin Bematsay Shabbasas. Oh, this is very interesting. So the first two I understand, living in Eretz Yisrael, raising my children for Torah. Number three is very interesting. One who goes ahead and makes Havdallah on wine. What makes Havdallah on wine is Nochle Olam Haba. So the Gemara says, Mahi. So what does that mean? That's a person ultimately, again, who leaves over wine on Shabbos for Avdalah. Rashbam points out, that's a person who during his Su'uda, even though he's enjoying some good wine, is careful to leave over wine. Not consume all of his wine during the Su'uda, but to leave over some wine for Avdalah. So we'll say, the first way I understand, living in Eretz Yisrael, 
self-explanatory. Raising one's children for Talmud Torah, self-explanatory. What's the meaning of the third one? That are, first of all, this is great news, because like the first two, like I don't know, I'm going to get there, just show children for Talmud Torah. This last one, this is in the bag, right? This one I could do. Leave over wine from. Fellas will say, what, what, what's the pshat? Well, what does it mean? It means that a person has wine by their Shabbos Suda, and I have a choice. I can enjoy it now all for myself, or I can leave it for some higher purpose. A person who leaves over some for some higher purpose supposed to say is a person who recognizes that his gashmius is not there to just simply satisfy his physical urges. But his gashmius is there for my ruchnius. See, I both say, this is, what, this is the secret of Yiddishkeit, and this is why we're not an ascetic religion. Gashmius is beautiful if it's used to facilitate ruchnius. If gashmius becomes an ends, right? If it's all about the pursuit of the material, then that's when Gashmius becomes the ultimate divide between ourselves and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But if Gashmius is used to facilitate Ruchnius, then not only is it okay, but I'm infusing Kedusha into the material. So a person who's sitting at the Shabbos Suda, and I have the choice right now to enjoy another glass of wine with my chalent, or to save the glass of wine for Avdallah, and I make the conscious decision to save the glass of wine for Avdallah, the statement I'm making is, my Gashmius is here to facilitate my Ruchnius. Oh, you live a life where your Gashmius facilitates your Ruchnius? That's Minochale Olam Haba. That's a person who inherits all about. I will say, this is the key to successful living. Why do I have my material things in life? If my material things are just to make me happy, just to give me comfort, then I'm selling my Gashmius short. But if my Gashmius, I will say, this is, this is the key in life. If I could point to every aspect of my Gashmius and point out how this Gashmi thing, this Gashmi thing facilitates Ruchnius, then says the Gemara, that's me no chalei olam haba. Incredible. I'm Rabbi Yochanan. Shloshel machriz alenek alish baruchu b'chol yom. But let's listen to this. There are three things, or three people, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu announces on every day. When we say announce, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I'm so proud of you. Three people that HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I'm so proud of you every day. Who are they? Number one, number one, HaRavak hadar b'krach ve'inochote, a single man who lives in a large city and doesn't sin. As I was saying, in a city, in a city, if you're a single guy, there's a lot of opportunities for sin. This doesn't apply in Baltimore. This, this applies where places are open past nine o'clock at night. Right? Otherwise, again, so, so, so again, so if you're a single man and you live in a city and there's a lot of opportunities for sin and you don't sin, the Rebono Shal Olam says how proud he is of you every single day. Next, the Gemara says, a poor person who finds a lost object and returns it to its owners. Because let's remember again, a poor person who finds, let's say, money or an object of value would have such a Yitzhahara to keep. And understandably so, if he goes out of his way to do a Shabbos Aveda, Kaddish Baruch says, I'm so proud of you. Val Ashir Hama And a rich person who tithes his produce in private. See, I both say, if you are a rich person, tithing in public was a big thing. Why? Because people could see how much money you have. So a rich person who tithes in private. So again, he's not flaunting his wealth. Akadosh Baruch Hu says, I'm so proud of you. Rav Safra, Rav Kadabakrachas. Listen to this. Rav Safra was an older single, an older single guy who was living in a city, Abedes. Tani Tana Kamei Rava. So the Tana taught this ruling in front of Rava, namely that a single man who lives in a large city ultimately again is Akadosh Baruch Hu says how proud he is of that individual. So Tzavu part of Rav Safra. Rav Safra, literally, Rav Safra began to beam. His, his, his face became 
radiant. So, so what it means is Rav Safra was very happy with himself because again, this is an absolutely an incredible, incredible thing. Amrlo Rava says into this. So Rava says, Love kigon mar. Rava says, no, calm down. It's not like someone like you. I think you just have to shut up. I think the fan is on. I think uh, that's what it is. So he says, Love kigon, love kigon mar. He says, no, not, not, not like you. Not like you, Rosafra. So we'll listen to this. Who does it refer to? It refers to people like Rav Chanina and Rav Oshia. Listen to this, Rav This is wild. So we'll say Rav Chanina and Rav Oshia were shoemakers, cobblers in Eretz Yisrael. But I just want to point out, it's always amazing to me how you see these great Tanam and Amoraim who had professions. We'll say it's very important. It goes both ways. On one hand, it says a person who says that I could only learn and not work. It's not true. You see people again who Baruch Hashem were able to work and to learn. But we'll say the other way, the cuts the other way also, that even if I say, oh, I work, that's not an excuse not to be a Talmud Chacham. Even if a person has a profession, a person has a demanding profession, everybody has an obligation to try to become a Talmud Chacham. So the Gemara says this, Rabbi Chanina Rabbi were shoemakers. And so watch this. And we'll say, where was their shop? This is incredible. Their shop was in the red light district, right? Their shop was in the shuk of the Zonos. And again, they had a niche market. Their niche market was they made shoes for harlots. Well, so when the harlots would come in, so the harlots would look at the Rabbanim. These two Rabbanim, Rabbanim Raboshia, would, never, would never look upon these women. They would go out and make them shoes, right? They would make them shoes, but they would not look at them. Listen to this, we'll say, this is incredible. We'll say, this is incredible. And the harlots had such respect for these men, Rabbi Chani and Raboshia, that when the harlots wanted to swear about something, they would swear by the lives of the great rabbis of Israel. We'll say, so who are the great rabbis of Israel? Rabbi Chani and Raboshia. So the point of say is that here you have two men, now presumably they were married, but two men whose, they were, daily they were encountering these women, and presumably would have had much opportunity to sin, but yet did not do so. So that's what it means to have incredible about these type of people, like Kaddish Baruch, who cries out and says, I'm so proud of you each and every day. So the Gemara goes right there. The Gemara says, Shlosha HaKadosh Baruch Hu O'Avan. We'll say, this is so beautiful. Three people, the Rebbe Shalom loves, who are the Misha Inokois. <laughs> Somebody doesn't get angry. Somebody, we just spoke about this on Shabbos. This was the drasha. So again, somebody who doesn't get angry, somebody who controls their temper, it's so easy to get angry at any given number of things each and every day. And a person who controls his temper, HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves them. Loves them. So the Gemara says, someone who doesn't get drunk, who doesn't get drunk. So we'll say, by the way, what's the, what's the common between anger and drunkenness? It's a certain inner equilibrium. A person who, who, who is able to moderate themselves. That's what it is. Anger is, I lose self-control. Drunkenness is, I lose self-control. What does HaKadosh Baruch Hu love more than anything in life? Moderation. Moderation, because moderation is the key to success. Finding the middle path. Finding the middle ground. Finding the Derech HaMamut, says the Ramam, calls it is the secret to success. And lastly, We'll say this is incredible. And someone who literally, again, yields, right? Someone who is a forgiving individual. means someone who is mevater. That we'll say there are a lot of times in life that I have a right to get angry, or I have a right to be offended, or I have a right to be upset. 
if I, if I am able to transcend those things and ultimately be a yielding and forgiving individual, HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves such a person like that. And I'll say, I'll say but I just want to point out, is it, I wish I had more time, but, but, but isn't it a carol, I'll say, you know, you would say, who does HaKadosh Baruch Hu love? Ah, someone who finishes the Afyomi in seven and a half years. Right? That's HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves someone who gives all of his money to Tzedakah. But I'll say, who does HaKadosh Baruch Hu love? Someone who doesn't get angry, someone who doesn't get drunk, and someone who is able to go ahead and be ma'avir amidos. Rabbi isn't that incredible? Or stated a little bit differently, who does HaKadosh Baruch Hu love? People who try to be good. People who try to be good. People who try to find a moderate middle ground. That's who the Ribbono Shal Olam loves. Rabbi says such an incredible thing. Sometimes we think it takes so much to earn divine love, but it actually doesn't take as much as we think it does. Incredible. Furthermore, three people HaKadosh Baruch Hu despises. Who does he despise? Hamedaber, Echad makes a lot of sense. People who are disingenuous. So people who say one thing, but feel something different. Or someone who knows testimony for his friend and he doesn't testify. Which means what? If you have the ability to help someone, but you don't do so. You have the ability to help someone. You know, if this is someone, but you don't do so. Because doesn't like such an individual. And if you see some matter of immorality in your friend and you testify, but you are an aid echad. You're a one, you're, you're one witness. Remember again, what do you accomplish when you show up to Basin and you're, and you're one witness? What do you accomplish? Nothing. Nothing. The only thing you do is you impugn the person's reputation. So Rose, isn't this incredible? It does, it's just so amazing. You think, who does that Kaddish Baruch Hu hate? I don't know, Mechalo Shabbos, and Oved Avodah There's so many great kind of things to hate. Who does that Kaddish Baruch Hu hate? Who does he hate? He hates someone who's Echad Bapeva Echad Baleid. If you're disingenuous, he hates someone ultimately again, who is able to go and help out someone else through giving testimony, but he doesn't do so. He hates someone who impugns the reputation of another unnecessarily. Listen to this, I'll say this is a great story. I mean, it's not a great story, but you'll see. A guy named Tovia once sinned, and he sinned in a matter of immorality. And Zigud came along, a guy named Zigud came and he testified that he saw Tovia engaged in a matter of immorality. And he came before Rapapa, he was a single witness. And what happened? Nagde le Zigud. So Rav Papa went ahead and flogged Zigud. So I'll say, so just to be clear, Zigud is the guy who came and gave the testimony. So Zigud was a bit surprised. Tovia sinned, but Zigud gets the Malkis. Yes, Zigud, because Torah says, you don't come as one witness. The only thing you've accomplished when you came along was to give, to impugn the, to impugn the, the reputation of Tuvia. So yes, you're going to get Malkis. Amr Rabbi Shmuel Bar Rabbi Yitzchak, Amr But it's actually quite fascinating. Within the two minutes we have left, we'll just get into this. So the Gemara says, it is permitted to hate someone, ultimately again, who you see commit a matter of arayos. So if you look at Rashi, Rashbam, excuse me, Murtal Sanoso, Haroi Divar Erva. If one sees an individual who engaged in a matter of immorality, so we'll say, this is really quite a fascinating sugya. If you see someone engage in an act of immorality, see, even though, again, you can't testify about them, 
you could hate them. Now, we'll say, now, what exactly it means that you could hate someone and the ramifications of that, we're going to have to see. Let's just do another minute and we'll have to stop. So, because the Pasuk says, if you see the donkey of your friend literally buckling underneath its load, my sone. So who, who's, who's your enemy? So if you say it's, it's a Gentile enemy, but the Chazal said the sone mentioned in the Pasuk is a Jew. But rather, again, it's clear that the person you're despising is a Jew, is a Jew. But are you permitted to despise another Jew? The Pasuk says you cannot hate your brother in your heart. Rather, what's the case? If there are witnesses that the particular Jew committed an Avera, then everyone else will also hate him. My sone, hi, elalav, ki agavna de chazye ba ihu devar erva. Rather, both say the Gemara says it must be that what's the case? The case is where I saw someone, I saw Reuven commit an act of immorality, but I'm only one person. So it's not enough to go to Beisdin. So even though, again, I can't go to Beisdin. Not only is it not enough, I can't go to Beisdin. Because at the end of the day, all I'm going to do is impugn his reputation, but yet there is a mitzvah to despise such an individual whom you have seen engage in an act of immorality. So we'll say, so again, we'll have to stop over here for today, but we'll pick up tomorrow. We're going to say, we'll say, this, I want to tell you something, this is very troublesome, because in general, the notion of hating someone is, is a very powerful and caustic, caustic emotion. But also I'll say, what it also is, is that practically speaking, what does it mean? And what does it mean to say there's a mitzvah to hate someone? Is there a mitzvah to hate someone? So we'll say, Emir Hashem, to be continued tomorrow. Shkach HaVosayim.